So what it'll be is a temporal pincer movement, and I, probably me, go backwards. You will go forwards. Um, no, 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 no. Okay, uh, you're gonna go backwards. No, no, no. I actually, which one? Which one's the B team? Which one's the B team? You were the. Matter. It's red team and blue team. You're blue team. I'm red team. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. You wish you were red team. I wish I didn't watch that movie. <laughs> Um, you and Kristen's letterbox reviews are eerily similar, though I think hers will make you feel better about yours. Oh, really? I, yeah. I feel like my... I'm, hi, um, I'm Pete. This is Josh. Hello. Um, to voice. First. Um, I think oh, my... Rakers. We probably should worth... Yeah, go ahead. I should, we probably, I, should, I shouldn't joke and say Tenet Boys, because reality is this is the only time this whole year that we're going to say Mudhorn Rakers because it's not a series this year it's just one episode so we only get one shot to be like hello welcome to mudhorn raker hello hello you were saying um um, i think my review was like is this worth 19 dollars and then said your review or your star rating speaks for itself (laughs) (laughs) um Um, yeah Kristen's review said this is the worst movie i've ever spent 100 dollars on because Kristen and I rented out a movie theater to watch it. <laughs> Hundred actually, um, I actually thought you had spent more on oh, renting. We did. We theater. spent it. Oh, oh no! Oh, I mean, I didn't mind. I don't know. We have, you know, we could talk about it briefly, but I mean, up in the air as to whether that was responsible for me to do or not. But we rented out the whole theater, so it was only a few people within the screening. And we were able uh-huh. to distance from each other within the screening. Um, and also, I mean, we could have just paid for tickets and it probably would have been exactly the same. Like it was, it was very sad. Like our local movie theater, I believe it is a chain, but it's a much smaller chain. I right. don't know of one other location of it. And so like going in there, it was, I mean, it, it was, I haven't been there for, since I think I saw a movie there. I think I saw a portrait of a lady on fire there in February. It was it, it uh, depressed me greatly being in there, and it oh, I would like imagine so empty, and like it was, it was really eerie. It was one of the eerier um, quarantine pandemic moments for sure. Well, and I so Josh um, and I are we're big movie watchers. I mm-hmm. I see a lot more pre-pandemic than you in the theaters, mainly because I had the movie pass and then i got the i got the amc equivalent so like actually in us recording right now right behind me i have like a a framed um picture of all the movies i've ever seen because i've kept the the ticket stubs and it's something it's something astronaut it's something very high sorry actually have that yeah i'll um i'll send you a picture of it sometime concert ticket stubs um and, you know, some movie ticket stubs, but the concerts ticket stubs in particular. I'm interested in, like, I always thought it'd be cool to have a table with, like, a glass top and put the tickets under it. I don't know. That'd be really cool. I actually, if if I had kept my pace, I would have needed a table um, to do something like that. <laughs> um, I've upgraded my um, picture frame. 
I got a bigger one because I've just seen way too many movies. Yeah, take me a picture of that. I'd be curious. I have. I still have my ticket stubs for opening night of Revenge of the Sith. Oh wow! I, know, I don't know yeah, why. Mine... I have nothing else from that era of my life other than concert tickets, but my... for whatever reason. Mine start around the time of Movie Pass, mm-hmm. um, and then I've just been continuing it for sure. Um, we've talked about this a few times about what your last movie was before the pandemic mm-hmm. hit, and my movie was Sonic yep, the Hedgehog. Yep, was the last movie I of saw, a lot of people. and it um, it's not a ter- like I had a good time. It is not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people t- put too much weight into Jim Carrey, and his time is over. No. <laughs> um, but I had I had I had a great time. I really I enjoy James Marsden a lot. Yep. Yeah, he's um, a- um, currently and, starring you know, in The Stand. I'm yep, I'm watching that I, too. I read that book um, earlier this year. I don't think I'm going to watch it, but I read the gigantic <sighs> book right before quarantine. All I'll say is, if you watch the stand, do not eat. Oh, I can. It is very smart. gross. It's probably smart. It's very gross. So, um, <laughs> I'm Pete. This is Josh. Welcome to Mudhorn Rakers. Rakers. The only no, we did D- Disney Gallery. We did it earlier this That's year. True. So we've. So well then. So in 2021, there'll probably be nothing then uh, that we call um, Mudhorn Rakers. Because also Mudhorn Rakers is more. Applies to the Mandalorian specifically. So if they do like Disney Gallery Plus presents Boba Fett's diary or whatever it is, it probably wouldn't be called Mudhorn Rakers. Though maybe it would be. I don't know. I'm sure that we can come up with some um, great name. Oh yeah, we've for the pod. I've got something to now, follow up on that for sure. <laughs> now let's let's set some ground rules, listeners. We're have a few. Um, one is this is an episode where we're reviewing Disney Gallery season two. Um, it is one episode, 65 minutes, mm-hmm. and it is um, covering season two of The Mandalorian. Yes. So we're going to talk about spoilers and stuff. And then also, I actually haven't finished this. Um, and you, by and the tone so, your voice when I asked you if you watched it. No, 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 no. So the only thing I haven't gotten to is I haven't gotten to the part where they explain um, Luke's CGI. So let's... Um, go up to that point. So I've I've watched all of it, but the little last bit where they explain <laughs> Luke CGI and they go through it in vivid detail right. where they talk about the actor yeah. and the decision making well, and they bring Mark Hamill. Because obviously that would be the last thing. Like it's clear, even though it seems like, oh wait, they're sort of touching on stuff that occurred after that when they go in order, but that doesn't make sense. It would make sense that they would actually end on that and that they are. Yeah. So like they go, they, they go episode by episode and then I actually got drawn away. So by the, credits, the, yeah. the, the, the part where I, I wasn't unable to catch the conversation about the Luke CGI and what went into it mm-hmm. and what, physical actor was there and mark hamill being yeah, on set and was george are, lucas there right. um yeah i so i missed all i missed all of that i watched i watched everything else up to that point mm-hmm. so uh, josh if you could please um not talk about that because right. that i'm sense. i'm i just have you know that that little extra bit of um disney gallery because obviously that's the part that everybody's interested right, in. Right, absolutely. And is the only reason that they want to watch Disney Gallery 
is to have a conversation about Luke and the CGI versus Sebastian Stan choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, clearly, they would not omit that no, from Disney Gallery. That would be crazy. Um, because it would be Chump Town. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes zero there's sense. There's nothing else in the documentary that makes it seem like it might be Chump Town, like um, omitting the guy with his jeans showing up in that one episode or anything like that. Like, it's clear that this is. You know, or not touching on a gate or not um, having that gorgeous little hipster uh, Ludwig Gornson hanging out and explaining how he does God's work on that show. So, yeah. So um, I apologize to our <laughs> listeners. Um, I did not get to the very end of it. So we're not going to be able to do a full. And then mm-hmm. this is our last episode of the year. So we're not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, probably until 2021. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, Happy New Year's Eve. So, a few weeks ago, outside of the specific context of Star Wars and within the mythology of the Poe Boys, we had a pretty big development, or I did, in regards to um, what has now been a two-year-long feud right. that we've been okay. involved in. And we didn't talk about it previously because we had so much to talk about with every single episode of The Mandalorian after Ahsoka showed up. And... We had to extend an episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, But this episode, uh, you mentioned that you had <laughs> a very limited number of takes. I, too, have a very limited number of takes um, on, on things discussed. And I thought that this episode might be the episode where we just uh, give the listeners an update on um, the Rogue One character contest that the Doughboys pitched on their podcast two years ago and that I won and have yet to be rewarded for Um, in the past. So I've already talked about my main take about the Luke CGI. Mm. I have in fact watched the entire Disney gallery and it is in fact chump town because (laughs) those it's like, oh, let's watch Clown School where they just try and distract you from the thing you actually want to uh, listen to. But we'll get into that, um, those takes. So, Josh, why don't you run them through the criminal justice system and how it's broken? Yeah. And yeah. what happened to Poe Boys? What happened but... to you specifically? And then an update up to this point. So, in like November two years ago, uh, on Doughboys, they made some joke about having a Rogue One character contest, and they're like, "Hey, tweeted us hashtag Rogue One character contest. Name as many characters from Rogue One as you can without looking at Wikipedia." And I was at work. And just a, in the just office. as a backtrack, Doughboys is a podcast doesn't of doesn't matter little doesn't to, little matter. to no quality. It, <laughs> Dough think food. It's a food podcast. A food podcast of little to no quality, of um, diminishing returns of enjoyability after each episode. All right, Josh, continue. Sure. Um, and so I was at my work at the time in the office in the morning enjoying my cup of coffee, and I thought, oh, I, I can get on this. I love Star Wars. I read Pablo Hidalgo's books, and so I tweeted a list of as many Rogue One characters as I could fit into a single tweet. Uh, and then a week later, I was like, hey, did I win this or what? And we kind of started joking around with them via Twitter. And eventually they did admit that I won. But one of the hosts said that I cheated. And then I went to a live show of theirs in which they both admitted that I had won. And then one of the hosts followed us on Twitter and said that he would get in touch. Uh, And then still got nothing. And then I called in or didn't call in. I emailed into Doughboys 
into their listener mail section. And I also admitted there that I had won it, yada, yada, the not paying up. I won this contest, not paying up. They keep accusing me of cheating, but then also admitting that I won. So I wrote to another regular podcast that I am a, a devout listener of, Judge John Hodgman podcast. John Hodgman is a, a writer. He played the PC and the Mac and PC commercials from back in the day. He was a Daily Show correspondent. And he has a weekly podcast where he is an internet judge who weighs in on disputes that listeners send in to him. So I sent in a dispute. Uh, November 20th, I emailed him, and I will just give you the summation up front. I said, Dear John Hodgman, I am writing in the hopes that you will help adjudicate a dispute in regards to a contest which I won a little over two years ago, but have not been rewarded for. I have tried to here to tread the line between providing you a sufficient context for my case and coming off like a rambling psycho. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Bottom line up front, I totally won a contest put forth by the Doughboys per the Doughboys' own admission and have not only not been rewarded, but have been accused by Mike Mitchell himself of cheating. He's one of the co-hosts of the show. I seek damages for the prize promise and for the public clowning I've been subjected to in judiciously seeking recompense. Should you want more info, I've outlined the events to the best of my memory below and I've included an attachment with a small portion of the evidence I've amassed over this trying two-year period. Um, and then I lay out in uh, painful detail over the next six paragraphs the timeline of events, and I've attached several Twitter exchanges, yada, yada. Um, a month later, a few weeks back, uh, Monday morning, I receive an email from Judge John Hodgman. Wait, wait, wait. So you sent this email and then got a response a month later? Mm-hmm. Just about. Okay. I sent it November 20th. You responded December 14th. Don't mind my dog galloping through the house. Good morning. I have looked into this matter and received the following reply from Nick Weiger. He's the other host of the podcast. Hmm. We owe this guy a Laker bag, but I fear Mitch will never relent. Again, John Hodgman. Much like Texas has no standing to toss out Pennsylvania's electoral college because they don't like the way PA runs its elections, allowing black people to vote, etc. So I am powerless to interfere with another podcast content. Still, I feel the need to punish you for three offenses. One, you try to involve me in a dispute with another podcast. I have my own limitless number of fans who are already trying to invade my head with ginned up complaints for their own amusement. I don't need Mitch and Weiger's homework to boot. Two, your letter is too long. Tighten it up. Three, you probably did cheat. I don't know why Mitch thinks this, but even if you did win fair and square, I trust Mitch as a fellow native of Massachusetts to know when someone deserves grief, even if they are technically correct. I see two punishments. One is that you send me your address and I send you some Lakers bag myself, paid for out of my own pocket, to end this beef forever, thus robbing you of the obvious pleasure you take and stewing over it and continuing to harass Mitch and Nick. The second is that you donate a reasonably painful amount of money to a local food bank. Then you can continue your weird head game with Spoon Burger LLC and leave me out of it forever. You must choose. Nick is BCC'd on this email, but Mitch isn't for obvious reasons. Judge Von Hodgman. Um, so it was a big Monday morning for me before this even happens. And right. this just really, oof, I emailed Pete about it, um, stewed over it for a little bit. You were you screamed. You you screamed yeah. via text. Pretty much. Pretty um, much. I didn't freaking cheat. I didn't cheat. You definitely did cheat. Um I mean, 
if something is offered to you for free, you find a way to pay for it. Um, <laughs> so even like I would assume, even if they sent you the bag, you'd pay for shipping and handling. Um, oh, at this point, absolutely not. No, at, yeah, at this point, they need to you know next day ship that stuff for, yeah. to you. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what my next step is, but I did respond to Judge John Hodgman. Oh, I would let Mitchell know. Um, hey. Um, Judge Sean Hodgman and Nick both think you're so much of a child that they're not including you in this conversation. But that's, <laughs> that's that's kind of um, lighting gasoline on a fire. So a very um, bold fire, but sure. I, I actually considered um, emailing him separately um, to try and see if I could mediate um, the, situ- <laughs> the situation, um, but I have not. I have that's not sent luck. that email yet. Um. Say I, I followed up about an hour later with the following. I knew this was a risk when making this desperate Hail Mary. And like Jen, Cassian, K2, Chirrut, Bays, and Bodhi on the pristine beaches of Scarif before me, I go down in a blaze of glory in hopes of leaving behind a better world than the one in which I was irreparably clowned to death. In my defense, I offer two statements. One, and my note I tried to give you a quick summary up top to help you decide whether you want to read the rest of the admittedly lengthy and fascinating tale. Two, to pass the time while running or trying to go to sleep, I go through the alphabet and try to name Star Wars characters for each letter. Sometimes by first name, sometimes by last name. Not to brag. Okay, three statements. If I were cheating, I wouldn't have listed freaking Darth Vader, and I wouldn't have looked up. I would have looked up the name of Bib Fortuna's cousin, who's running around with Saul's partisans. Jeez. <sighs> I take solace in only in knowing that I have the collected works of Pablo Hidalgo to comfort me in this decidedly devastating time. It is a shameful man who would make a fourth man pay for the heinous crimes of a second man and a third man, and I am not that shameful man. And once you know it, my local food bank is matching donations for the month of December. Besides, I've been promised Lakers bags before, and look where that got me. Clowned. Clowned is where it got me. I've never been so angry in my entire life. Clowned. Josh. And then you, you have not received a response yet to that? A uh, week after that, he said, received in red. Thank you for your donation. May your hot fury warm you all through the season. I have BCC'd Weiger so that he can bear witness to this final end to our communication cycle. That is all, Judge John Hodgman. Wow. It really sucks when they're like, so for those listeners that don't understand um, the low quality Doughboys and to be, to be <laughs> frank, high quality Judge, judge John Hodgman. <laughs> Um, John Hodgman is a last Jedi stand, and then the Doughboys are is prequel he? stands. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I couldn't remember. Oh no, just, yeah, I think I have heard him talk positively about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it just sucks that you know people that have these opinions that you agree with are just terrible human beings, and like good things are happening to them, but <laughs> at the same time they do things that you enjoy. It it just shows that you know the world's great. You know. Yes, there's sure. great Jedi all over the place, and yeah. then there's Bib Fortuna's cousin, like Judge John Hodgman. And like, I'm and... just saying, if I had cheated, I wouldn't have like the lame Darth Vader. Really, I listed Darth Vader. Like, if I were gonna cheat, I would have found better names than that, but I couldn't remember the name of Bib Fortuna's cousin. So I feel like Bail Organa, even though that's so obvious, it's fine. Whatever, cheated, oh brother. Yeah. So what's what's, Nate, what's your next stop? You know that this exists. You were BCC'd. You're aware of this correspondence. Oh, he definitely like, was not BCC'd. Bag. 
hundred percent he was not BC. Well, I don't know. Judge John Hodgman is is a straight shooter. So yeah, I, I, I suspect he was actually. Uh, whatever, whatever. I don't know what I'm going to do next. Jesse Maybe Thorne. Doughboys again? No. No, love him to death, but no. <laughs> I don't know. I have no. I don't know. Don't know. Um, maybe a song to what's that the singing group that um the other birthday boys splintered off in? The sloppy boys. Sloppy boys. Maybe write a song for them that just <laughs> shows how bad Mike Mitchell is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't want to mess with the sloppy boys boys um um good vibes. But yeah, so that's anyone wondering where the feud with the Doughboys is at and whether or not you can um still be a Poehead but also still listen to Doughboys. The answer is that's where it is at now, and no, you can't. Hmm. Um, maybe we can start a GoFundMe for Mike Mitchell's dignity and see how much that we can raise to see if he can have an attitude adjustment. Um, <laughs> an adjustment, huh? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something that can financially benefit me while also clowning a person mm. that has, as far as Mudhorn Raker Pete is concerned, has provided hours of entertainment as I've watched mm-hmm. you um, make a psychotic voicemail. Um, <laughs> one of which... Uh, I have thought I'm going to have to testify that about this at some day. <laughs> yeah, I know the one. I'm going to be under oath at some point in my life due to this voicemail that Josh left like a psychopath and that he noticeably and notably did not leave Judge John Hodgman because... Well, I didn't want to overload him with attachments. I would have provided more info if he had actually wanted to hear my case. I really was trying to, like, tread the line. I didn't want to be, like, a psycho, but I wanted him to have all the information to know that this wasn't, like, a bit, like... Yeah, I mean, if you, want, name. you wanted him to be... take you very seriously, and I, th- I feel like he, you know, he definitely did, because that letter was, like, a page, page and a half. Um... Mm. That you would have you would have listed that vo- that horrifying voicemail. Um, that w- I I have nightmares about that voicemail you left them. Hmm. Maybe I'll include it at the end of this episode. So, listeners, um, here's what here's what we'd like you to do. Okay, <laughs> do you have legal expertise? Um, have you felt wronged before and sought revenge? How'd you do it? Is it legal? Oh if it is, poboyspodcast at gmail.com. How would you legally get revenge? And we're 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 thinking more home alone vibes here. Um <laughs> home alone vibes, and they're the adults that are trying to rob us, and we're mm-hmm. the kids that are committing assault, but it's a home invasion. <laughs> so is Stand your ground applied in this situation. All right. I don't know. Right. We're, We're getting in a little murky nope. territories. So, yep, yep. Speaking of murky territories and clownery, um, let's get into, let's say the Blues Clues episode of of um Disney Gallery, where they just omit every problem and <laughs> just kind of toe the company line of here's everything that corporate told us to do. And we're going to be doing it. Oh, you have a critical thought about it, and you'd like some explanation? Kick, kick rocks, kid, or I mean, green torture. 
behind the scenes for any type of blockbuster type thing rarely if ever um addresses criticism and i think a lot of it tends to be produced before the thing even even comes out so now i have since been thinking since you said that here is what i can't help but wonder i mean this came out the week after the finale so it was in the bag already is probably in the bag before the episode one of this season premiered i I would i'm willing to bet it was at least yeah i mean they probably had it on lock and so that said one of the things you keep hearing about this whole luke skywalker thing is how insane it was that they were able to keep it under wraps with all the people involved and with mark hamill being involved in all of this stuff how crazy was that that word never got out and i can't help but wonder if part of that is we're you know we are already running a tight ship we don't want to risk whoever is involved in editing, scoring, putting together our making of real. That becomes a whole other group of people then that we also have to be concerned about finding about finding out about this big reveal and potentially leaking it out. And so was Luke Skywalker omitted from Disney Gallery Plus to um, cut down on the number of potentially loose lips sinking ships? Now, Josh... And that all makes perfect sense, and I largely agree with you. But this is the last episode of 2020, and I will be damned... And the end of the year is a time for peace. And I'll be damned if I, in this episode, don't spend most of my energy collectively tearing this down and airing grievances. So Mm. what I'll say is that's not good enough for me. Does it make sense? (laughs) Yes. But this is stuff I want to know, and they didn't do that. In fact, they made the episode so formulaic, episode one, here's what was episode one. Here's the crate dragon that has weird arms that don't make any sense. But you know what? Our digital model certainly had it, even though in the episode it's just a head. Whatever. Um, I look forward to seeing the concept art. I think it, I think, I mean, I've said this multiple times that, um, the concept art, that book that you have, the season one, season yep. one of the Mandalorian, that is the definition of a coffee table read. And I never read coffee table books, but if I saw that, it'd be like, Hmm. Oh, that book is great. I'll probably touch on it this episode, honestly, because I don't have enough to say about it so, for an entire episode. Let's, let's speak to the fact of, what this what what this does it's supposed to explain highlight and provide context explain provide um and and do and provide some context um it did i guess i mean it's just supposed to be a making of thing right and you know they showed they showed you know making of little yanni um sorry grogu they you know had a whole episode to recorders and um the process of the music um and they highlighted all the different directors um i feel like they did a good job of the directors this this time but um let's just let's talk about the controversies and let's let's uh let's spill some tea all right so egg gate do they talk about it no all right (laughs) um does it seem a little weird that all patent reed talks about is how he was a dork in school and wanted to do Star Wars. 
And but that's all any of them talk about. Yeah. So then we all the, anytime anyone shows up, they have to be like, "Oh, I'm like OG. I go way back. I saw it in the theater. Like I'm legit. Please believe me. Like I just want I want a director to come up and be like, Star Wars is whatever. I'm a professional filmmaker. Here are my bona fides. Like I don't know. I thought this would be cool. I wasn't a little dork with action figures. I played football. Like I don't know." Yeah, so Payne Reed um, and John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, I mean, it just shows that um, Bryce Dallas Howard. That I don't want to throw those t- those two into this. Um, Egg Gates, um, you know, little Yanni, terrible human being. Mando, terrible. Sorry, terrible. Some great Jedi. I don't know. Uh, Mando, terrible. I could go. I could go the rest of my life without ever hearing the phrase "gray Jedi" again. Let me tell you. Um. Well, and I've I've told multiple friends this. Um. If there's one thing I've learned from Dave Filoni the last decade is that he will introduce a character, Grogu, and then he will spend the next decade of his life weaving that character and bludging them into a trilogy that there's no trace of them. That's what he did with Ahsoka, and that's what he's going to spend the next decade like. Oh, um, at the bazaar in Jakku, did you not see Grogu winking? And then they'll like CGI I, that. I take issue with that. You saying bludgeon makes it sound like he very clumsily and ham-fisted tried to shove Ahsoka into everything after the fact. I don't think that's the case at okay. all. Okay, well, I, I, I think, think you're not understanding the tone in. of me of this episode. I agree with you. Listen, Josh, I'm 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 <laughs> like weaving in like a perfect I'm tapestry. I keep forgetting um, sure. you're airing your New Year's. But um, yeah. Slam it in um, with no pre-thought before um, the character pop in their head. And we'll be spending the next decade with Grogu. So that's that I'm not worried about. Um, Dave does a great job. Love, love Ahsoka. I am so excited with Ahsoka in the let, let's 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 focus on a positive. OK, uh, um, Rosario Dawson, Ahsoka, what went into that? Um, and those makeup artists, the makeup artists. Killed yeah. Them. Um, did I care about Bib Fortuna and that character? Oh my um, god! I mean, that guy seemed really excited, so good for him. Matthew Wood, who I think did the voice of Grievous and is like involved with the sound design of this yes. film and worked on Clone Wars. I don't. I mean, the guy seems very cool. I don't know that I needed half an hour of a one-hour show about Bib Fortuna coming back. Well, it just it just kind of showed, you know, on the storyboard of how are we going to do this. You know, there was Egg Gate. Um, there was um, Jeans Guy. Jeans Guy. Um, there was Luke. There was the um, Ahsoka stuff, which I guess really di- that's like kind of after the fact. I mean, I, I guess if they had done their research or they at least did their research enough to know that Rosario Dawson was fine, um, they just like. It didn't touch any of those and then decided to talk about Matthew Wood dressing up like um, an obese Bib Fortuna and then John Favreau being like just bludgeoning t- into the ground like see um, he's fat because greed oh that was preposterous right it's just like <laughs> you know how many times Johnny F said line line what's my line <laughs> oh yeah it's like you know Jabba was fat and Bib Fortuna is fat it's like at no point in the in the cartoon um, where they're showing other huts 
Jabba does not look different than all of them. I mean, maybe I, like sure he's a distinct model, but like I don't. I mean, I didn't care that Bib Fortuna was a glutton. That that is not something that I was like, oh, that's so cool that they did that, or I really cared all that much. So burn it to the ground. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's some young Star Wars viewer out there who is having their mind opened to the world of storytelling and cinema through these sorts of shows and to them uh learning about what a metaphor is 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 very exciting yeah i mean to that nerd good luck so um (laughs) i mean it was the the soka stuff i i wish that they had shown a little bit more of george lucas i mean george lucas was on the set during the ahsoka episode um, which is mm-hmm. super cool for him. It's my understanding that he and Dave came up with Ahsoka together, um, but mm-hmm. Dave was the illustrator. Is that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. And then they show that sketch that he did of, of Ahsoka. Um, would really love a comprehensive Art of Clone Wars book, I'm just yeah, saying. And- Though, while you're waiting for that, I just got to shout out this Art of Mandalorian book. I've talked about the Art of Books a lot before. Now, the Art of Star Wars Rebels, different publisher, different author, totally different format. Very much less exciting. Not a lot of concepts art there, really, didn't seem like. But um, the Star Wars Art of Mandalorian book rules. And for anyone who's a fan of that format previously, it's like those previous books, but there's a bunch of Dave Filoni in it. Like, usually, like, in the Force Awakens book, like, Dave Filoni's name is offhandedly mentioned, buried in a paragraph somewhere. But that Art of Mandalorian book is full of sketches from Dave Filoni to include, like, the first sort of sketched-out image, like, very much just a shaded-in doodle of, like, a Mando silhouette and a little baby crib. That is the last shot of the first episode and stuff. All right. So, if stuff like that little Ahsoka sketch was cool so you. and, and i'm gonna cut you i'm gonna cut book. you out your positive vibes about that so let's let's what else get is let's new? well normally i'm 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 good cop um so this episode starts with johnny f doing what johnny f does taking credit and boy he had quite a comment that he used there. <laughs> i i it's not it's not ingrained in my memory but i'm 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 pretty sure we're talking about the same thing it's just yeah, about like, oh, I know the show so well, or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. Some sort of comment that my girlfriend and I were both like, oh, calm yeah, down. Yeah, he's like, yeah, now I, I wanted to direct one by myself because, you know, now that I know what's going on, I think I can do it, blah, blah, blah. And it's more like, listen, chump, okay? He was in the deep end and he threw a bunch of people in the deep end, saw them swim. And now he's like, yeah, I think I can, yeah. I can wade. <laughs> I can lay on yeah. top of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I can stand on their shoulders. It looks like there's enough of them that can hold my inadequacies. Um, and oh I have gosh. complete control of the budget. So whereas I gave Bryce Dallas Howard... What are you talking about? What? His episode cost so much money. Why would he have complete control over his budget? That was not... What? <laughs> I, well, so, so, so sorry. There is Bryce Dallas Howard, who in her first episode had that terrible village episode where they're like, oh no, villagers, shrimp, whatever. And then she, you know, she gets um, Bogotan, but like she has like three set pieces. And then um, Johnny F is like, 
I'm directing my first episode, so I get crate dragon. Whoa! I get a different aspect ratio. Hey, you need to make you may need to make all this stuff for me because I'm Johnny F. Whoa! All right, listen. That's how it goes. You know it. I know it. All right. And oh, okay. mm-hmm. like everybody knows, Christopher Nolan sets the budget. Do not talk to me about Christopher Nolan. Tenet is still like. <laughs> I know that you paid more money for it than I did, but I still feel bad that I paid money for that movie. Um, all right, let's let's talk about something positive, okay? Let's let's. All right, I'll be I'll be good cop this episode. Um, Robert Rodriguez. Okay. Um, I you know they've been. Yeah, seemed like a real good time. They Goober. they sh- they showed um him um it playing the guitar in between takes. Is I guess that's the thing he does. Apparently, um, it really made me think maybe I should get an instrument and then I'll play it in the hallways in between. Like, uh, that doesn't seem like something normal <laughs> people do. Uh, which you have to think outside the box. I, I, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> um, it just speaks to his imagination and just how with these creative types, they're constantly thinking and they're constantly, you know, trying to improve themselves. When he had his kids get action figures to like promote the up ep- yeah and dress up in the costume. yeah i thought that was super super endearing um uh, i really enjoyed that i is it it's my understanding that is he connected to the boba show mm, that's uh yeah that's my understanding uh, as well. which is cool boba yeah Diaries. It's, it's it's also cool that um i mean star wars fans that were kids when it first came out i guess they're in their 40s and 50s now right 77s i mean so i mean for uh, for a guy that age um boba was like the character that they got and were able to buy before anything happened um for for like kids that are younger than us um for us it was like the um submarine in episode one that they used for like three minutes uh yeah, well, and I mean, the Boba Fett thing goes even further than that because the deal with the Boba Fett action figure was you had to mail in for it with proofs of purchase. And it had, it was like a Boba Fett action figure and the jetpack like rocket launched. And then it was very much a Christmas story, you'll shoot your eye out situation. And there was a whole controversy with the with the missile shooting out of the rocket launcher and stuff. But there was like, yeah, a lot of mystique uh-huh. around that character even before and i would say that that's the equivalent of constable zuvio from episode seven like um oh, oh cool gosh. constable zuvio like what a cool character oh, in that yeah, hat yeah. and hmm what's constable what, what's constable zuvio gonna be up to like why even do that i just don't understand what is to be gained like just do a different character that is not dumb like you i don't i don't understand like is it the difference between having nothing but constable zuvio action figures in the aisle in target versus having nothing in target because it was all decent characters or people actually bought them well, we also don't, don't know understand. if uh, constable zuvio is like, a good character understand. or not um because <sighs> we just don't see constable zuvio but you know what robert rodriguez he got boba all right Kids, they got Constable Zuvio. All right, that's just yeah. not fair. 
No, I mean he's a nice enough guy, but episode seven, episode seven kids should not <laughs> be like, "Ooh, Constable Zuvia, what's up? What's he up to? What? Who's his corporal? Oh, who's his deputy?" <laughs> Those are questions that are never going to be answered. Um. Yep. Let's let's see. We talked about Robert Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, go it's ahead. curious to me how they pick the directors for each episode because I it's it's just strange it's strange to me that Peyton Reed is the only person who directed two episodes this season since he's a newcomer this season as well. Like last year, um, Rook Famila, Dave Filoni, and Deborah Chow, all all three of them directed two episodes each, and then you had Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika Waititi's directing an episode. But this year. You had a different director for almost every episode, but Peyton Reed comes in and directs episode two, which is arguably, I mean, if we were to, you know, ring the filler alarm or whatever, that would be the one. You know, it's it's just, a, it seems like a fairly inconsequential episode so far as Star Wars mythos is concerned. And then the finale is just like huge right. for, for Star Wars mythos. And he's the guy who directs both. And it would seem like... Maybe you would have, you know, your Filoni or your Favreau or, you know, even, you know, any of the other, you know, Richmond or Bryce Dallas Howard, somebody who is more part of the established stable or whatever. But, I mean, not that I'm complaining. I had no issues with the direction of that episode. It's just very curious to me, like, who's making those decisions and why and, like, what did Peyton Reed bring to that second episode that made somebody decide, oh, yeah, this is the... Because I mean that part eludes me. As much as I can pretend that I know a bunch about movies, you know, I, well, I, I don't know. In, in my, it's very curious to me. I'm not complaining. In my head, um, I feel like it's more one a test run to see if Payne Reed, um, if they want Payne Reed to do a bigger project like Taika Waititi. Um, the other thing I can't explain the D- Bryce Dallas Howard one at all, but I know Rick Famuyiwa. He wrote episode seven. Um, so he, mm-hmm. the first season, he did the two. He did episode two and episode six. Yeah, and he wrote episode okay. six. As okay. Well, of um, and then he did episode seven, and that was it the season. Okay. Yes. So maybe it's maybe it's just um, in terms of shrinking the story, and um, they're putting more wait into certain parts um or um maybe it was just a, a timing thing i mean one thing that people really yeah i'm sure it's um, love to say on twitter is that the directors have nothing to do with the story um so like if you have an issue with Payne reed it really should be an issue with avro and feloni <clears throat> because they're the ones that are mm-hmm. like ice spiders um right. you know let's not care about fertility issues that's not going to come back and haunt us we have no women star wars fans um so that's not like 100 percent on pain and read but like you know you're connected to the project so like you also it's not like you have some agency in in these decisions too so it's not you know um they're not without fault um let's Mm -hmm. see we talked about ahsoka how much we despise the luke stuff um i didn't i didn't read yeah <laughs> the lack the, we need more luke stuff 
Um, they let's see. They talked about the dark saber. I didn't. I did not see the nuance. I did not appreciate the nuance that went into the dark saber. Um, it just seemed natural to me. But they spent a good chunk talking about how, um, Juan Carlos Esposito <laughs> was like mowing through <laughs> lightsabers, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, where was the footage of that? Um, man? That that to me is so funny that he just got so into it. Um. And yeah. I think, oh my gosh, what's his name? I think the last name is Crawford. They showed the action star, the the stuntman, a lot more this season. Um, because the one guy was talking a bunch. Um, he had dreads, and he was. Yeah, it was like walking Rosario Dawson through some stuff. Yeah, so they well. they they did give a lot more um, focus on the stuntmen which was pretty cool um but i also really think it's funny i'm i'm those lightsabers must cost you know um thousands of dollars i would imagine um and for him to just mow them down like they're pencils that's that's basically how it seemed Mm -hmm. to be described to me yeah i can't i mean i hesitate to even say anything but part of me is also like what the heck they got one Carlos Esposito out here? Where's Pedro? <laughs> like for that fight, it, it appeared that it was the it was the stunt guy on Mando's yeah, and head. it it and then it was and I mean to be fair, it can be because it's a helmet, but I and I mean I I am not going to knock Pedro's performance at all. I think Pedro Pascal's doing a great job, but you know reality is I think there is a subject of people out there that are like, oh, you know, he's barely ever even in it, and I think Pete, you had mentioned that it may have um, detracted from his ability to get an Emmy nomination. Well, I was thinking about this. um, And I guess we can spend a little bit of time talking about this. Um, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, and I think this is the year of Pedro. Like, he has the Mandalorian. He was in, you know, Wonder Woman 84, which was awful, but, like, that's no fault of... It was no fault of his own. But that might be enough for him to be the person that had the biggest year well you know entertainment industry being what it is but that's what i'm saying is like you know um there's like that set person that's like you know takes everybody's that gets all the attention or that everybody's talking about and i i honestly can't think of somebody other than um pedro pascal um who Got, I mean, it, maybe that's just our, us in our own echo chamber, but like, I'm struggling to think of a movie star or a TV star, uh, just an actor in general that had a better year than Pedro Pascal. Yeah, though I think, I mean, in his favor, you know, the two big things he had this year happened back to back and they happened at the end of the year. So it's very easy for him to loom large as we get to the time of year where we sort of think about those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. But because to me, actually, I would I think my argument would be that is Ludwig Gordonson. Okay. But that's a different category, I think. But I think Ludwig Gordonson is just like this is the year that he took over, man. I think the score for Mandalorian was great, and then Mandalorian season two, he brought it again, and then say what you will about Tenet. But I think he delivered in Tenet in a big bad way, and he you know, didn't rewrite the Hans Zimmer playbook for a Christopher Nolan movie, but he, he made it his own. And then 
meanwhile, you know, Hans Zimmer with Wonder Woman 1984s, maybe some of my, like, I love Hans Zimmer a lot. Uh, I, I didn't care much for that sport, but whatever. I, I, when I'm thinking over this past year, because I similarly, you know, it's the end of the year, and you think, oh, what did I take him in? Who are the, who are the folks that, and to my, well, to my mind, it's both, comp- it's composers all over. It's Ludwig Gornson, and then it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, though I'm in the back so... of those guys, but. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, some some connections that we have as industry insiders, because, um, um, you know, for first time listeners, we, we do have a connection with Johnny F on um, Pedro. Yeah, right. We're not just haters. John Favreau's personally insulted us to add a and, cocktail party. Um, so people are like, oh, these are just like. Horrible little chubby little internet boys being a We're very swollen. Our cardio routine is next to none. Um, We actually wouldn't require speeders Mm -hmm. like episode one of Mandalorian. We could actually just book it. Um, We go north to south, Mm -hmm. east to west in parsec times. So um, let's talk about Mm -hmm. some things behind the scenes. Um, There's a big note. No tables. No tables um, this year. And I have it on good authority. Earlier this year, we mentioned Christopher Nolan already. Earlier this year, uh, in an interview between Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman, I believe it was, Anne Hathaway had talked about how on the set of Interstellar, Christopher Nolan didn't let anyone sit. Or like there were no chairs on set or something. And then that became a whole thing for like five seconds and people were outraged. And of course, I've heard through a friend of ours that was involved with the Mandalorian in such a capacity as he made Star Wars, and so he had to visit the set one time. And that person had mentioned to me that after hearing this whole Christopher Nolan thing, somebody, Johnny F., who was like, I'm also a serious filmmaker, and I wear suits to work too, decided, well, no chairs on set, forget that, no tables on set. And so all those people who watched season one of Disney Gallery mandalorian last year and who loved so much watching a bunch of people sit around a table and smile at each other uh who are disappointed this year when there weren't any tables for people to sit around that and is why. a lot of people talk about how ludwig Gorenson did not have a dedicated slot and um a reason for that is johnny johnny it's too cool and johnny f on that show are so old. is a person that because of your connection to something mutual, he feels the need to be able to talk to you. Um, so he'll call you unsolicited because you're working on the same project and he wants to talk to you outside of a work mm-hmm. setting. Um, that's just something that like, yeah, he'll call. Yeah. We all have that coworker who it's like being it's... coworkers is not enough. I'm going to drag this relationship kicking and screaming. He thinks coworkers is an identity like that, and he thinks coworkers is his family. He's one of these people that's like so. Um, Ludwig Gorenson, as politely as he could, um, showed Johnny F through the song "A Friend." Um, he sent it to him multiple times, mm-hmm. and it actually. Mm-hmm. This is the track that plays yes, the song yes. Luke's appearance, and it took multiple people. Dave. Um, we we were much meaner. I mean, we we caught on immediately, and it was like, "Hey, Ludwig yeah, says you need to get a friend, and it's not him." All right, like, 
that's what he's trying to say. And Johnny F acted like he didn't know, but clearly he got he got the hint. And well, yeah, Johnny F's like, no, 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 he sent it to me because I'm that friend. It's called a friend. Yeah, I'm a friend. So that really backfired. Yeah, and if we've learned anything um, from our interaction with Johnny F is that. He is very vindictive. He does. He's like a. He is like a leech on talent, <laughs> and he is somebody that doesn't deserve any praise. But we like to acknowledge our close friends that are doing good work, despite Johnny F. All right, not because, despite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's the that's the um, so um, with that with that being said, um, would we recommend catching this? And I would. I wish I'd have asked my girlfriend. My girl. So speaking of the tables, Kristen hated the tables. Kristen and I watched. We started watching Disney Gallery Plus last year together, and then like two episodes in, she was like, "This is just people sitting around talking at a table. This is just me watching a podcast." And she hates. And she hates the our podcast she too. Did not watch any of the rest of it. Yes, and so this year I was like, "Well, it's only one episode. It's just one one hour thing. I don't think there's going to be any tables." And so she did watch it with me this year, but I don't know. I don't think she hated um... it. I think she enjoyed it well enough. I mean, there's some cool. She definitely liked Tamara Morrison and uh, Ming Na Wen is somebody that um, is just a great person, and you can tell how through the roof she is. Um, and that's just how you know most people are connected to Star Wars. Um, you're super nice, and I mean we haven't really had a like you know we've seen her at a, a few social events, but I have not had a person. Um, yeah, they're both. Yeah, and I mean she's been at a couple parties that we've thrown, but like nothing, you know. I mean they're big parties, mm -hmm. and it's not like you know you don't have time to talk to everybody. But yeah, unfortunately, um, she she seems super cool and super excited to be part of that. Um, it is, it is very. Yeah, and she just has such a great physicality in that yeah. role. I mean, she's I mean, she's one of the bright it. spots of Agents of Shield. So, um with that being said, um that I, that's all I have, Josh. I don't know if you have any um final final comments. No, I don't I don't think so. Um the volume is still very cool. They talked about having a bigger volume this year and they show there's a footage here and there of the volume being like calibrated and stuff or they show the volume being used for the interior gyroscope of Boba Fett's ship and I just still think like if they really wanted to knock it out of the park for Star Wars Celebration 22 just bring like a micro volume and have people wait in line to just stand in the volume um... That line would rival. Oh no! It would be, score. it would be one of those things where only the VIP people can get it, and there would be yeah. just yeah, all of these podcasts would be like so excited until they learn that's only for VIPs, and then there would be such sadness in people's yeah. voices. 
Also, it wouldn't um, work for the entire first. Yeah, day. I would. I would. I would imagine it would not work for the entire weekend. Um, so, with that being said, um, la- la- last last Poe Boys, Mudhorn Rakers, Pager Boys of 2020. Um, well, whereas you know we've actually um, have been in good you know physical financial positions. Um, we've had some betrayals. We've had some um, business upheavals due to our. Money Man Crony Cody, our ineffective cybersecurity specialist Connor, but um, that all being mm-hmm. said, you know um, we've been relatively um, healthy and safe. And um, for the listeners, I'm what just you, saying, you know, it's this? been a year, but we've been, you know, doing well. And that um, I'm wishing mm-hmm. our listeners uh, mm-hmm. a good year. Clone man. Uh, we'll be, we'll we'll probably be talking about a uh, a look ahead of 2021. It's needless to say, it's a lot. All right, um, each year is going to be a lot of Star Wars. Um, maybe not the start next year, but it's going to be a lot, and it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, we're going to cover that high. I just pre-ordered book. it. We'll have to figure out how to do that. We've got yeah. Well, yeah, so I get that like the fifth. Version, I assume, right? Um, but you know, with spoilers, um, I might give you a count of how many lightsabers there are. Um, so I'll text you like no, that's one. Okay. You can text me page two, three, no, thank you. four. Um, all right, well, listeners, um, no, have you. you know, um, stay safe, have a good um, New Year's Eve. Bap! Um, and you know, stay on brand. Happy Life Day to all of those, except for Johnny F. He can kick rocks. Poboys Podcast at gmail.com at Poboys Podcast is our Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for not following us on Twitter, so I don't have to write fan fiction. And have a good one. Literally.